Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. To like take a step back and be like, wow, I've done the things that I want to do. Now I get to dream more and bigger. And what does that look like? Three, two, one. My name is Esprit Devora, host of The Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create The Women in Tech Show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. Hi, this is Joe Peterson. I'm the Vice President of Cloud and Security with Clarify 360. I've been listening to the Women in Tech podcast for about a year, and I was drawn in by the energy and enthusiasm of the Women in Tech podcast. Esprit does a really great job in sharing stories of women in tech so that young female listeners can put themselves in the shoes of these women speaking. See, I strongly believe that if we don't show young women the way forward in tech by sharing our stories, then they won't know what's possible. The stories are what creates the value and inspiration. Great job, guys. Welcome back to the Women in Tech podcast, where we are celebrating women in tech from around the world. Here with us, we have Lindsay McNew from Austin, Texas. My name is Anika Aftab, and I'm based in Honolulu, Hawaii, and I've been passionate about the healthcare space my entire life. I'm incredibly excited to be interviewing women that are changing the healthcare landscape one tech company at a time. All right, Lindsay, can you tell everyone a little bit about who you are and what you do? Of course. Thanks for asking. I'm excited to be sharing this space and this conversation with you. Um, I am a communications professional and uh, have done that for two decades. And when I'm not uh, doing that, I'm enjoying fly fishing and dressing up and playing dolls, uh, writing a book. Seems like you do a lot of different various things. I am curious to know about this book of yours. What are you writing? Um, I am, uh, well, I've been working on a game book and I'm not sure if you're familiar with uh, that style of book. But it's along the lines of something you might be more familiar with, the choose-your-own-adventure styles, but uh, very different. Um, It is centered sort of around uh, uh, my life and my family and how I was uh, really set up to fail, and then I was able to overcome that. And uh, so the working title is Jokes on Me. So it's it's pretty... um, a lot of dark humor, but a lot of like finding, um, you know, finding your own voice and how to do that when you're not, when you're actually like taught to ignore and suppress your own um, intuition, suppress your own thoughts, your own uh, 
your own voice in so many different ways. So um, I hope that it will bring a lot of healing to people who read it. And I did a lot of research around the benefits of a, a book like this. So there's um, a ton of health benefits actually to playing and to reading and to using your imagination. Uh, it helps your brain. It helps uh, your mental health. It helps um, your hormonal health. Um, there's a lot of really interesting benefits. And so when I started putting that together along with my own uh, healing and like a lot of the tools that helped me heal, I thought it'd be more fun to really show show those tools in action versus like, here's a list of the top 10 tools that helped me in writing a you know chapter about it. So it's definitely like interactive and um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I have a lot of fun working on it. That's another, uh, I wouldn't say problem, but there's like too many good stories. So that's also why I chose uh, the style. So yeah, it's been fun to write because I, I think I have like, it will end up being like 87 stories because all these things change. So um, it's a modern game book challenge so people can heal from hustle culture, reclaim their intuition and reach for their highest purpose. That's amazing. And what what is the expected timeline? Where can I get it? When can I get it? Uh, well, you know, good things are worth the wait. So I, I, I'm like planning for two years, but we'll see. Amazing. Well, I'm excited to follow you along on that journey. That's amazing. And what can you, it's called jokes on me. That's what I'm working. Yeah. The t- working title, you know, all those things can, can change, but um, I'm working on selling it right now and then uh, we'll see where that goes. So I really want, um, I love the like collaboration side of writing. That's what I think I enjoy so much about getting to be a communicator is because a lot of people don't really understand, like there's actually protocols and best practices and, ways to address things that, you know, don't have to be painful. We can have plans in place. And um, there's a lot of like things that people I don't think around communications think are necessary sometimes. So it's been fun to get to work with people and, and, you know, share where, where communications and PR specifically and working with media can be most beneficial for like sales or brand reputation or, um, crisis communications. Um, there's a lot of ways to get to work with media and like such a collaborative space that I think we're just, you know, uh, the pandemic brought a lot of that on, but we're just like scratching the surface of what those like partnerships can look like. And you have your own, so you founded your own company. Yes, I did. Yes. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, it is a communications consultancy. So um, basically what that means is that I can really grow alongside an organization. So uh, with many companies, depending on what stage they're at, they either you know need a communications advisor or they need internal support or you know maybe they just have news coming up or an event coming up where they just want to do some external, uh, communications or uh, have a story placed or they're raising funds. There's like so many different scenarios where it makes sense to have like one person or higher up to have a lot of different people. So I've built 
my company to be able to scale up and down really easily. So I work with founders, entrepreneurs, really from like idea to uh, inception and then beyond. Um, So a lot of my clients, you know, I've had clients, some clients, my longest client is 15 years. And, you know, we've worked on, I want to say like hundreds of projects at this point, but I know that's exaggerating. So um, yeah, it's been, it's really fun to get to work with organizations, you know, and, you know, move in and out when it makes the most sense. And uh, I've really enjoyed getting to bring in the right people. You know, that's another thing you're, I get to be part of so many conversations with executives where they're, you know, thinking about who would be a great fit for a certain project or a different role. And I've been able to help a lot of people find jobs and get placed in, uh, in really like places where they've been able to like grow and stay there for a few years And so I love getting, uh, it like checks all my boxes, you know, makes me feel all warm and fuzzy. So getting to do that, pick my hours. There's so many benefits. Um, this, like I've been thinking about this because it, it ruffles like a few feathers, but I actually don't think the communications role should be a like full-time employed role. It, sometimes it's, you know, 10 hours a week. And sometimes it's like 60 hours a week. It really just depends. Um, and there's so much uh, communications professional can do, but I feel like we've really burnt out a lot of professionals and have diluted um, a lot of the value that PR and communications can bring. And so it's been really fun to get to do a lot of different trainings and help a lot of different agencies, like know some best practices and, So a lot of my clients are agencies who are um, either, like I said, looking for like training or to sort of modernize their teams and the way they're providing services for clients, or I'm brought in to pitch new business because I've worked with a competitor or, um, you know, there's a certain project like how you and I met um, working uh, with Elation and Uncommon Bold. So both great partners and um, have had a lot of fun working with them. You know, when you work so hard to create a dream and then you realize you're living it, it's like you've been on that like momentum to like take a step back and be like, wow, I've done the things that I want to do. Now I get to dream more and bigger. And what does that look like? Yeah. So I love that you say that you're, you know, you dream about it, then you're doing it and you're like, wow, this leaves so much room for so much more. What would you say, and I feel like there's that theme of communication that keeps coming up, right? And that means working with people and being able to articulate messages or whatever else. Communication is so broad. So um, I'm not going to try to sum it up in one sentence. But um, my question is really, you know, what would you consider your your calling to be? Or if do you think that you've found it? Mm. That's a great question. I, uh, it definitely gives me pause. It's like something I want to explore. It's not something that I feel like, um, when I think about a calling, I'm doing parts of it. I, I think part of the, uh, wonderfulness of being a human is getting to like, not fully know. And I'm always very interested when people are like, oh, I found my calling. This is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm in uh, that space. I feel like getting closer to that direction Um, in the ways that I feel 
closer to the calling are being more authentic to myself, not necessarily like a reaching an external accomplishment, if that makes sense. So you're more connecting with yourself versus like achieving something externally. Um, that's really interesting. And like, it's such a subjective goal, right? It's like getting closer to yourself. So what does that, what does that look like for you? Um, well, a lot of different things. It looks like a lot of unlearning. It looks like a lot of reparenting. It looks like, um, you know, part of, I've sort of done a lot of like searching on, uh, especially as a business owner, you're sort of constantly faced with, am I doing, you know, cause you're working sort of in, in, in this, um, it can be kind of isolating, you know, in the way that you're working, unless you're constantly uh, connected with other people being mentored or in other communities. And so, but there's parts of like that isolation, I think that are really important. And in that isolation, I've been able to be like, oh, okay, these are the things that I'm still uh, having difficulty with. These are the ways that I'm still like not being authentic or that I'm, you know, there's a lot of different behaviors like people pleasing or masking or uh, different types of things where I know I tend to want to, uh, because of the like chaotic environment I was raised in, I tend to want to be the peacemaker. And sometimes that has in the past overridden my ability to um, be like the best strategic guidance I can for clients or for myself, or, you know, I just very early on and for a long time until I had um, a couple of like eye-opening events, I, you know, just sort of was almost in like a survival disassociation, like, you know, just like moving through the motions mode. There's definitely some things that impacted that shift, but I think now I forgot the question you even asked. And if I answered it, Um, I, I asked how your, I guess what it looks like connecting with yourself, but I think you did a good job answering it. I inserted it somewhere in there. Well, what I was going to say is, you know, I think that it's really, well, first and foremost, thank you for being like open and vulnerable. I know that's not the easiest to do on like a podcast. However, what I like, like most about what you said is because, is that we just don't talk about it enough, Right. We, especially in the corporate world, or even just the, you were, you made a joke about like the nine to five, you mean eight to seven, (laughs) like lifestyle that you live. We just, we're meant to keep that facade and we're meant to show that we're strong. And like a few of the episodes I've I've had, like we talk about imposter syndrome. It's like, don't show the weakness because people aren't going to think you're good enough then if you're going to be afraid of, you know? And so I don't want to interrupt you, but so funny because like imposter syndrome is we bring it on to ourselves. Like you have, we have, like, I literally, I can speak to my own experience, created an imposter of myself because I thought that's what, you know, would get me, get me further, you know, to just like, uh, say the least. And it, it, it not only didn't work, it like blew up in my face and I had to come like face to face with, okay, am I going to like, can continue this like internal charade, you know? Mm -hmm. 
I mean, you only, you only go backwards with it, to be honest. You create the persona because you think, for whatever reason, I'm sure it differs per, but it's just, it's so interesting. It's like, um, it sort of reminds me of this like therapeutic terminology called the ideal self. And, uh, that is the imposter, you know, a lot of, like I came from an environment where I had to, I had to, uh, be the emotional, like reliable caregiver for my brother and sister and for my parents. And I think because no one ever was communicating to me, it really like instilled at me at a young age, like communication is important. I want to fight for that. I started out as a journalist and have always been a writer. So, um, you know, I've always been a truth seeker, no matter the consequences. So I had a couple of uh, very tragic experiences that showed me that like good and bad do not exist. And as soon as I, you know, let go of those uh, illusions, really, I have been able to like achieve so much more. I love that we're able to talk about these things. And, you know, I'm curious to know, first and foremost, I love that, that there's like that direct translation of like what you were essentially lacking, that communication, you built something from it. And like now you're able to have an impact on a larger scale and help organizations left and right, in particular, the tech organization that I work for, you, you know, you're supporting us and all the efforts that we have. And so I just, I appreciate that you were able to transform something that wasn't so great into something that can be more than you, right? So I'm curious, like, you know, we, when we talk about our journey, although we're the ones walking the path, it's not always just us on it by ourselves. Were there other, do you have any mentors that had, have guided you to where you are? Were you ever working with like a colleague that helped inspire you or pushed you in that direction? a partner or? Yes. I mean, so many, I, I would not be alive today without like the help of, uh, thousands of people that I know. And also like, you know, complete strangers actually in a lot of ways there've been, yeah, it's interesting when that happens, when you're like a stranger can meet, a like a deep need, but I, yes, I, um, have a lot of different mentors, some that I've like gotten so much from, from a distance and just like reading what they're putting out there and, you know, f- being part of the communities that they're creating. So I don't know if you know, like, uh, Sarah Lacey, she is, uh, an incredible writer, entrepreneur, um, and she covers, uh, technology companies she has for a long time. I think she started out at Business Week. That's not right. She started out somewhere else. That magazine doesn't even exist. Um, But TechCrunch, and she went on to do Pando. And I'm just always so inspired by people who are able to, like, face themselves and face, like, the reality, but then move beyond it in ways that not just, like, better themselves, but take others with them. So to be able to like have strong examples like that, um, Arlen Hamilton's another great one. She's an incredible investor in the tech community. She runs backstage capital, uh, does a ton of different things, works with Mark Cuban and started out really having to deal with homelessness and pivoting her life. And so I'm just always very 
inspired and uh, mentored by, you know, stories and people like that for sure. It's amazing. I, I mean, honestly, it's amazing to have women that have gone through experiences that you can't even like fathom sometimes and witnessing their like bravery and courageousness inspires. Right. Um, and that's why I love like this podcast in general, like just a lot of the people that we talk to, they're just incredible human beings like yourself that like have always chosen to take, you know, the harder path, but it's because it leads you to having a greater impact or doing more for yourself, reconnecting with yourself or um, doing, doing just more. Right. And I, I love that. I love that you use those examples. That's really fascinating. (laughs) Well, getting to see like how other people show up, I used to have this different idea of, you know, what it meant to be an adult, what it meant to be like a professional, have a career. I was sort of fed all these ideas on what success looked like. And, um, I continued in that way until I sort of discovered how much it didn't work for me. It always ended up feeling like I was uh, being like more misunderstood. So getting to see people like Erica McAfee, um, I think she's going by Erica Freeman now. She is doing incredible things. She's a chemical engineer and also started a community based on uh, pregnancy loss that reaches thousands of people. And she also does an event about it. So it's just like so inspiring to me, um, you know, humans in general are very multifaceted, but women are like on another level in terms of like superheroes. So, uh, I am like finding a new mentor. I feel like every week where I'm like, I didn't know this person existed. Mm -hmm. I love that. And you're, you're a mother too. Yeah. You've, you've done the balance between, you know, family and career. And I wish those were things we talked about more. How is, how's that experience been for you? It was terrible. It started out so terrible. The worst, uh, the worst experiences I think that anyone could have (laughs) because I prioritized my work. I prioritized, uh, not even my work. I can't, I don't want to take like claim over it. I prioritized the work that other people wanted me to do. And, um, I prioritized everyone else, but myself and, Um, It actually added to a lot of the um, struggle I had uh, in bringing um, a child into the world. So it's been so incredible to get to uh, reparent myself in such a privilege and honor to be uh, getting to uh, parent a six-year-old girl. Um, It's just uh, like such a joy and so much fun. And getting to do things, you know, when you've had sort of a traumatizing upbringing, I think to uh, survive, you have, well, I had to tell myself, like, I won't have kids. I won't do, I won't, I don't want to bring another kid into the world. I don't want to be the same type of parents that I've experienced. I don't want, so there was just so much fear um, that's also partially why I'm working on this book is I, I, the, the fear, um, that I experienced was, was like really nothing compared to like, um, I was really worried about how am I going to be pregnant and 
also, or be, you know, how am I going to do that and work? Or how am I going to, I have to have my insurance. How's that going to work? Um, actually there's a recent study that came out that says, uh, women while they're pregnant in the middle of, um, I don't want to get like the data wrong, so I'll have to send it to you, but I want to say like, it's an extra 20 hours added to their monthly schedule, um, with how many doctor's appointments there are in the middle of meetings and just maintaining that level of pregnancy care or the, I would say the pregnancy care that's been the standard in the U.S. alongside the care that uh, we give to people, you know, uh, worker like uh, workers. It's just like uh, so conflicting. I feel like it's I mean, it, it's not just I feel like this has been well documented that women have such a harder time at the same time that we're trying to, like, prove ourselves and move up. I was working on multiple promotions um, while I was pregnant with my daughter's siblings and um, actually had to uh, bury a son at 39 weeks after I carried him full term. And the HR director from the company I was working with at the time called me a day later and was like, we need to know what you're going to do. Are you coming back to work? Are you going to take your uh, leave? Um, and it was very, uh, you know, I think because there's so many things that we haven't talked about, I think women not only do such an incredible job of being like superheroes, but we also do this very like I know I do it and I've done it very toxic habit of not wanting to like involve people in, you know, sort of like the, 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 you know, the, the things that we need to make other things happen and people just don't know how to ask for help or, and unfortunately when you're trying to conceive and you're also trying to uh, build a career, you know, we're sort of, sold this idea that we can have it all and that we can do both. And I haven't experienced many employers or work environments that support that, that really support that to the level that's necessary. We're starting to see a little bit for bereavement care, but not enough. You know, I kept getting called to come back after I took my maternity leave because after my son died, I took the full time. And I even asked for more time. And I actually got called by a VP on one of the accounts because they knew I wasn't needing to breastfeed. So why couldn't I just be on a certain call? Like, why am I even needed? There's no baby to take care of at home. And there's a real, uh, you know, unfortunately that shows a lot about them but also it also, it, you know, it is uh, an idea that more, you know, more people hold and they think about that. And I'm like, there's just such a misguided understanding of the actual care that's needed after you don't just go through uh, a death, you are birthing death, you are carrying death, you are laboring with death. And in that scenario, you know, 
the death of my child happened while I was working, while I was on employee time. And I've met with hundreds of other women who also have had very similar uh, tragic experiences. I think we're just starting to see like more women understanding like the systems and, and these people in these places were not created with like our well-being in mind. They are being more of them are being created that way. But unfortunately, the policies are still, you know, pretty old. Um, and a lot of the HR standards are still. Um, I, I mean, I would say they don't serve employees ever. <laughs> uh, so it makes it uh, quite challenging. So oftentimes when I'm meeting with um, people, I meet with a lot of people who aren't, aren't sure if they even want to have kids, you know, don't know how are they going to, how are they going to handle all of that and continue to focus on their career or a promotion. And it makes it really difficult. So first and foremost, I'm so sorry that you had to go through that experience and in that you were in the corporate space, right? Um, and, and, you know, what I really appreciate what you said about more women are starting to realize these, these systems weren't made for us. Um, but because we're realizing it, I think it's giving us the opportunity to start creating systems that can be made for us. Right. I mean, props to you for even starting your own company, right. And not having to deal with all of that for lack of better words, corporate, I appreciate you saying that. I um, I started it because it was so traumatizing going back to work after maternity leave. There was no um, efforts made to make that transition easier. And because uh, I didn't, I mean, it was so terrible that I had people asking, how's maternity leave? How's your child at home? These are people that I was working with. And I was like, um, it was terrible. My child died. Why does no one know this information? You know, unfortunately, I had to start my, I was like in a survival mode. You know, I had to create a business, you know, because I didn't see any other way. I worked with HR to try and um, put together policies for other people who went through any type of situation similar to myself. And um, it was incredibly hard. And like I said, it extended and intensified my uh, bereavement and added uh, to my PTSD that I was already experiencing. And so I literally had to put a plan together, you know, okay, the next 60 days, this is what I'm going to do to get clients. This is what I'm going to do. I learned how to create a website. I, you know, learned all of those things uh, very quickly in the middle of um, not just grief, but, you know, when you think you're, when you're actually like planning for a person, another person, and you're, you think your life is going to look very differently than it does. It was, I, I was still sort of, you know, in that uh, haze of 
struggling to figure that out while I was forced to create a business. And I, I can say, you know, I love my resiliency, but I also hate that I had to go through that and um, really hope that, you know, I can help others know that they, they don't have to go through that. You know, Um, there's a lot of information that people just aren't aware of. I'm happy that you have the ability to talk about it, right? I mean, it's such hard stuff and such vulnerable things that, you know, it's not easy to articulate, but I mean, you do a fabulous job doing so. I mean, I know even with your book, it's going to be, it's going to impact a lot of individuals that you might not even know needed it, right? And that's the most exciting part about it. I, it's gone through plenty of iterations. I'm sure you can relate to your own book, but yeah, I really hope a lot of like men in leadership read it and can be part of the change that we need more people to be involved in. I'll ask one of the last ones. What's next for you? Um, I was not expecting that question. Uh, <laughs> I'm like uh, my husband's birthday dinner. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Oh gosh, what's next? I I am constantly looking for like that next challenge, the next uh like I I love a good like complex communication situation and so I'm always looking for you know how I can be most valuable and simplifying and um amplifying what uh folks are wanting to say and so I really get to work with a lot of um inspiring people. And so looking for like, what's that next, what's that next like movement look like? Um, and then lots of rest. I just want to like keep resting and figuring out how to do it a little every day. So I don't have to crash and burn. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. I mean, I saw a post recently. It was like, you should work as hard as you, I mean, you should rest as hard as you work. Right. It's like a pendulum of like, put in that effort to rest as much as you put in the effort to, to keep pursuing your dreams. So I love that. Okay. So I'm going to ask them some rapid fire questions. We do, we are coming at time. Um, So first question I have for you is what's your favorite book? Oh, none. I will never claim a favorite book. I can't. (laughs) I love it. I read too. I, I love reading. So I can understand the sentiment. Um, do you have a favorite podcast or a video series? Oh my gosh. I've really been loving um, my friend Vivian Nunez. She um, has a podcast, Happy to Be Here. And it's just so uplifting. She interviews like the the most interesting people that I have never heard of. Happy to be here. I love it. I love it. And then, so I'm a foodie. So what's your favorite type of food? Okay. So I have that thing in my brain where like, I, I enjoy one type of food and then I'll eat it for like, you know, 12 days in a row until I'm so sick of it. I don't want to see it for at least two months, but right now it's this like, uh, salmon and avocado sushi. That's delicious. And then some of my last two closing questions are what's one thing listeners can do to support you. And then how can people connect with you? Uh, people can connect um, uh, with me on um, LinkedIn and Instagram at Lindsay McNew. I uh, am Lindsay McNew everywhere. I think it's really important for like 
real humans to have their names and own their names and and your other question to support uh i mean just engaging you know not not choosing to numb out just showing up in their full uh glorious selves and being being you know it sounds super cheesy but being the change you want to see in the world i love it i love that so much so thank you so much for hanging out with the women in tech podcast to connect and collaborate with more incredible women in tech around the world Remember to go to womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. You can say hello on our social media at Women in Tech Show on Twitter, on Instagram, Facebook, and we will see you on the next episode. Thank you so much, Lindsay, for being here with us. Oh, thank you so much. The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.